All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Full Court Press. My name is Nathan, and I'm joined by a very special guest today. Hi, guys. Uh, the special guest that uh, Nathan refers to is me, Josh Klein. I'm a junior and uh, staff designer and staff sports writer. Thanks for having me on, Nathan. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we're coming at you um, Wednesday, March 17th, after... The women's season has concluded, but the men's season rides on. Um, Let's get into the women's season first. Since we left off, they lost a tough road game at Xavier to close out their season. They had a a 10-0 run. Xavier did at the beginning of the game, and Georgetown wound wound up losing by 10. And then they had another tough loss uh, in the first round of the Big East tournament to Creighton. Uh, they were trailing by two points at the end of the third quarter, and they ended up losing by 14. Josh, what are your thoughts? Um, I just think it's a really, really tough to stay in it and battle for the, the whole game against a tough team. I mean, you can see that they, they hung around for three whole quarters, and, you know, Creighton must have put on one heck of a run to finish, up, finish it off. I know the Hoyas had had trouble limiting turnovers in, in the past, and uh, that wasn't the issue in this game. Um, it really was poor shooting that kind of doomed them. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I think something something that Creighton did was that they loaded up the box and like just tr- they would not contest any jumpers outside of the keys straight up. Like watching the game, they they let the Georgetown players just shoot whatever jump shots they wanted to, uh, but they – they loaded up the key, stopped Grayson Bennett from getting her normal amount of touches. And um, another advantage that that brought them was to limit second chance opportunities and create one and done possessions. And quite frankly, I was kind of surprised that such a strategy had not been used before or where, where it was so blatant that they just did not close out, did not contest jump shooters. Yeah, and that strategy paid off well for them. I wanted to transition a little bit to the offensive end. Creighton really uh, took it to the Hoyas, obviously, in the, in the fourth quarter, and uh, they went to the free throw line 29 times, and uh, that's really enough to make the difference in the game. Um, it's, really, it's really difficult if you're uh, playing defense and fouling that often to be able to keep a team within reach. It's basically giving another team three points in every defensive possession. So, obviously, that was a challenge the Hoyas and uh, it's, it's one reason that the, the game ended up having that gap at the end. Right and a, a big part of that really was um, Temi Sarda who's a senior guard on Creighton. Um, she played all 40 minutes, 26 points, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, four assists and really her drive and kick game um, really kind of doomed the Hoyas. She was able to get her first step um, get momentum going to the basket and and obviously she 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 did really well on the foul line. So yeah, and she kind of she kind of set up the rest of the attack for her teammates and the Hoyas were never really able to uh kind of get back into it. Exactly. And and as you said, uh the Hoyas had to shoot a lot of jump shots based on the the defensive uh setup that Creighton was giving them. So with all those uh jump shot looks um uh, if you don't convert, you're just get it, giving uh, the other team a chance to rebound and get out and transition. And that was uh, one area of the game where Georgetown really struggled. 
Uh, I think they were out rebounded by 10 or 11 in the game. And uh, those sorts of things um, make the difference between staying in a close one and having a chance to win and letting another team pull away. Right. Um, I think, I think that uh, rebounding is, was also one of the uh, few advantages in utilizing their length. That was one of the advantages Georgetown had had on opponents this year, but with, with Creighton's strategy, um, it really, it really worked out for them and they were able to kind of neutralize that length defensively and then be able to attack downhill offensively. And so um, the big challenge next season for the Hoyas is that uh, they need to find more consistent creation out of, um, out of freshman guard, Kelsey Ransom they need to be able to counter such a strategy by being able to knock down jump shots at a more efficient clip than they have been. And um, they, they need to do all this while still kind of maintaining their level of competitiveness. I mean, this was, this was a game for like 35, 34, 36 minutes um, until Creighton kind of pulled away at the end. And so that last six, last five minutes, that's really going to kind of, Impro improvement there will be um, a big determining factor in picking up more wins next season. Absolutely. But if you're a Hoyas fan, you have to be encouraged by, you know, how well the underclassmen on this team have played. I um, mean, you have uh, all the East freshman Jasmine Harmon, who's been really excellent for them over the course of the year. And obviously we expect her to return. And uh, you also have some returners in the front court, uh, with Shania Wright returning and uh, Grace Ann Bennett should be returning as well, right? Yeah, should be. So, so that will help with, with the continuity for this team. They had a lot of new members coming into the year. And uh, uh, I think Coach Howard had mentioned that they, uh, that the talent level wasn't, you know, exactly where he would want it to be. Um, and that with such a challenging year due to COVID, you just kind of roll with the punches. And, uh, you know, th there, there are some bright spots to look at look forward to yeah most definitely and it, you know coach Howard kind of got put in nearly an impossible situation they had this season because of opt-outs and because of transfers um, they had three players return um, to the squad to play this season only having three returners and then bringing in as many new faces as they had that's that's pretty much an impossible task to expect any level of winning and playing out the season, the way they did playing in these close games, it's tough. It's painful. There's no moral victories, but they can grow and they can learn from it and they can apply those lessons um, going into next season. So I agree. There definitely are reasons for hope. Absolutely. And the big East is no pushover conference in women's basketball. So it's really quite a strong conference and uh, it's, it's uh it's tough to compete with that much adversity and uh sometimes things just don't go your way yeah and the big east was especially tough this year obviously the addition of uconn the gold standard in women's basketball and being able to play them twice a year that can only be a positive experience for our players and like if you want sort of a measurement test or a barometer test like there's nothing better than the best in the country uh to compare yourself against Marquette, obviously, another very solid team. Uh, Seton Hall rode a couple of their more experienced players to uh, third place finish in the Big East. Like those teams finished ahead of DePaul, which is traditionally 
been the power in the Big East since UConn left, traditionally top 25 team. And they even got bounced in the first round of the Big East tournament by, um, or in the quarterfinals, I should say, by Villanova, um, who, who has some very talented producers as well. So um, at the very top and like even in the upper mid-tier, the Big East has some very, very talented teams and um, competing against them will only be a good thing for the Hoyas. Exactly. Well said, Nathan. All right. Um, so the women's season is over. They will they will resume next season uh, in November. Hopefully fans will be allowed to be there. Um, and hopefully the band will be able to support. The voice will be able to cover in person. And um, the players will get some sense of normalcy uh, as well as being able to form a tighter bond after being so new. Switching gears to the men's side, if you were not living under a rock, you would be aware that the men's basketball team has um, pulled off an improbable run. They've won the Big East tournament, defeating Marquette, Villanova, Seton Hall, and Creighton. And they are in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2015. Their opponent will be um, the Colorado Buffaloes, a five seed from the Pac-12 conference. Uh, they will face off Saturday, the 20th at 12.15 p.m. on CBS. Andrew Catalan and Steve Lapis have the call. Josh, what are your thoughts? Well, the first thought is that as a team, the Hoyas are hot. You know, we come, we're coming off of, you know, such a huge win in the Big East, Big East title. I mean, a program-changing win and, uh, and one that really, really solidifies Patrick Ewing's place as as the head coach you know if there are a lot of Hoyas fans calling uh for the need for his departure um and you know clearly his players bought in um and it and it finally paid off uh it, it was a joy to watch and uh I couldn't be prouder of a team that has faced so many challenges throughout the season um with a COVID pause um losing John Thompson having coach Ewing have a, his own personal battle with COVID. Um, so it, a, a real season of ups and downs. And then on the court, they got off to a slow start, having nine new players and trying to adjust to that. So when you, when you think back to how they got here, um, you just have to, you have to think about how remarkable it is, the runs they've made. Um, and then as we look ahead to the matchup against Colorado, um, you know, Pac, they, the Pac-12 games are late, so I can't say I've watched a ton of Pac-12 games this year. Um, but I know it's an experienced Colorado team. Um, I know they were bounced early in the Pac-12 tournament, um, losing to eventual champion Oregon State. And, uh, you know, the Hoyas are going to have to play really well in the backcourt defense. And so they'll be looking at Dante Harris um, a lot for that. And uh, those are just some initial thoughts. Yeah, um, Colorado, I think, is a team that um, Georgetown fans are overlooking a little bit. Um, they are by no means are they undefeatable, but also by no means are they um, are they fodder in the sense that they'll in the sense that they'll uh, lay down pretty much as Creighton did in the Big East tournament finals. 
Um, their, their offensive profile is actually quite similar to the Hoyas in that they shoot very well from the three-point line at 36.7%. Um, not so great from two, but they, sh- they uh, shoot free throws at a stunning 82.2% mark, which is good for second best in the country. And, um, and yeah, I think, I think keeping Colorado off the line while still playing great health defense as they did uh, against Creighton in the final, that will be a major key to the game. But that is also something that's difficult to accomplish against a team that may be much more motivated, um, especially after hearing from a lot of the national media that, you know, Georgetown is probably one of the most likely upset teams that we've had in the tournament in a while. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely fun to have all the national commentators jump on the bandwagon. Um, but I can't say that a lot of them have really followed our, our season closely. Yes, we're hot as a team right now. Um, but this Colorado team poses a, a, a definitely a, a big hurdle in the first step that uh, Patrick Ewing's team will need to take. And so uh, the, we've talked a little bit about those challenges. But one of the big ones, and it's always tough to run up against a team like this in the tournament that just has such strong senior leadership, doesn't turn the ball over, gets the free throw line. Um, so having a, a really strong uh, senior point guard in McKinley Wright poses just such a challenge. Um, it'll be key for the Hoyas to be able to rebound miss shots and continue to dominate on the glass like we usually do. Um, but our collective inexperience is going to be something to keep an eye out for. Going to have to limit turnovers. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, McKinley Wright is one of the top guards in the country. Um, assist rate of 36.2%, good for 21st in the country. Gets to the free throw line, draws fouls, doesn't commit many fouls his, himself, converts his free throws in an 83.8% clip, um, takes the majority of the shots, very efficient. Uh, he, he isn't quite the distance shooter that we've seen uh, from Marcus Segaraski or some of the other guards in the Big East, but he is definitely the focal point of this team. If they if they want to have any hope, they need to they need to do a great job on him. But also, there's the alternative view that um, they can let McKinley Wright get his, and as long as they limit Colorado's other players, as they did with Creighton, they might they might eventually pull away with a victory, and. Um, you know, Coach Ewing actually pointed out that there's some similarities between Colorado and Creighton in that both teams like to play four out, one in. And um, they're, they're obviously led by one, two of the better guards in the country. And they have a big man inside, Evan Batty, who's been very, very efficient as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, as they play four out and one in, uh, you'll look to Kudus Wahab to try and really dominate for the Hoyas. Um, he's uh, arguably our best player and has been uh, excellent when he can stay out of foul trouble. And then that uh, four out one in type scenario, uh, look, look, uh, look to him to get a lot of post touches. Um, that, and that can really key the Hoyas offense. It sort of works from the inside out, um, you know, dumping it into the post and then looking to kick it out for open threes or letting Q work on the low block. Right. I, it was interesting because 
you know, in the Big East tournament, in these four different games, there have been a lot of individual game heroes for the Hoyas, and they've had they've had different options um, that have been able to score. But to me, at the end of the day, uh, you know, somebody asked me, who do you think is the best player on the team? Because it's it's a little bit hard to tell. But for me, it was easy. Um, and I still think the answer is Kudus Wahab. And the reason why I think that is because other teams have signaled that they want to stop Kudus Wahab. They throw, they throw double teams at him. And to his credit, I think he's been doing a better job of passing out of the double teams. And with the ball movement and body movement, um, Georgetown has been able to really romp through this Big East tournament. And they've survived through many different sort of game conditions, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. They've grown up a lot over the course of the season, and they have some late-game experience. We're able to squeak one out against Villanova uh, in the Big East tournament. And so, you know, that gives me some comfort going into such a such a huge game um, for the program. Um, but it's definitely concerning um, the challenge that lies ahead with a team that's so experienced. And uh, for, for Georgetown, they're really just going to have to not try to do too much. They, they really opened the, the game against Creighton very tight. Um, and I don't think they can afford to do that again. They, you know, and we'll have to limit mistakes over the course of the game um, because you don't want such a good team like Colorado to run away with it early. Right. And I think um, it's, you definitely have to credit Georgetown's defense for the way they played but Creighton was a little bit colder than you would expect them to be in a normal game. Damian Jefferson shot one of eight from the field. Christian Bishop shot one of six from the field. Very, very uncommon for him. Denzel Mahoney shot one of 13 from the field. And I actually uh, actually predicted in one of the uh, group chats that we're in, um, if Denzel Mahoney goes 0 for 8 and he keeps pulling that trigger, like we just might have a shot in this one. Uh, but you're right. Colorado also has a lot of efficient players um it's not just R McKinley Wright and Evan Batty Jeriah Horn is 42.1 percent from three and 52.6 percent from the field uh Eli Parquet is 51.5 percent from two 41.2 from three uh Deshaun Schwartz is 36.9 percent from three so um yeah we we can't get off to these slow starts that we've been so accustomed to and we definitely can't get comfortable with them but um yeah the reason for that is just because Creighton missed Creighton missed shots like th things really just did not go their way that night yeah Horn definitely posed the threat um it, it depends on on who's going to be defending who here you know uh if we get into foul trouble um is in, in the post uh, it'll be difficult to figure out like who is on a big like he is. Now the Hoyas have a lot of depth in that position between uh, Chudier Boulay, uh, Kudus Wahab, Jamarco Pickett can pretty much guard anyone on the floor. Um, and then you still have uh, Timothy Ego Efe to, to guard big. Um, but someone like Horn who's such an efficient scorer, um, I think we should look to see who matches up on him early on in the game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Pickett. Yeah, most definitely. I think I think Pickett would make the most sense because Horn likes to uh, Horn likes to step out, do a lot of different things with the basketball. So I think I think Pickett uh, working defensively against Horn 
would make logical sense. And Horn should worry about that because of Jamarco's Jamarco's defense of Sandro Mamukelishvili in the uh, Big East semifinals, holding um, the Big East co-player of the year to three of 16 shooting and eight points. Um, they've really stepped up their interior defense and forced teams to settle for jump shots, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and Patrick Ewing uh, was really encouraged by their defensive improvement. Um, I think, I'm not sure exactly which, which ranking that uh, he was referring to in the most recent press conference. They moved up about 30 spots nationally in adjusted defense, um, which is a huge deal over the span of such a small group of games. Again, top competition in the Big East on par with what they're going to see with Colorado. Um, so, you know, that trend will have to continue if they want to stay in the game. Right. And I think another important point on interior defense is that um, if they if they do that and defend the paint, hopefully they won't allow Colorado to get to the line because, like like I mentioned earlier, that's one of the places where they had the major advantage over almost anyone in the country. So uh, if they can force Colorado to sell for jumpers, I think that will, I think that will uh, give them a great shot to win the game. And personally, I think, I think they could pull it off. Like I said, Colorado is not a team to take lightly. They are, even though they might've lost in the PAC 12 conference, they only lost by a bucket and that happens. Um, they will be highly motivated um, McKinley Wright will be highly motivated after uh, reporter Sean Keeler from the Denver Post made up a fake story out of thin air about how um, how Jamarco Pickett didn't acknowledge him or didn't know who he was. Like, like that was just a, that was that was just like very that was just a very um, that was very misrepresentative of what Pickett had said. And then he followed it up by saying Georgetown didn't know anything about Wright, which was a blatant lie. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if uh, if, if Colorado is looking for for fuel, they're gonna they're gonna struggle there. I mean, I don't think they I don't think they need fuel. They're a strong team. They're ready to they're ready to go. Um, but I, I do think it's really disingenuous reporting. I mean, yes, yes, Jamarco Pickett uh, uh, could be quoted in the exact way that the Post reporter quoted him, but it's like two or three words with no additional context, and so it's not really fair because it. It, it removes all nuance from the situation. Jamarco Pickett was very respectful of McKinley Wright's abilities. Once once he was able to elaborate, he'll clearly be a focus uh, for the Hoyas on their on the defensive end. And uh, you know, it, it's frustrating when the media does stuff like that for likes because, yeah, I mean, there's some validity to it because Pickett did say those words, but the intention behind it is removed completely. Yeah, and, and the, the people who kind of face the consequences for uh, Keeler's actions are the ones who will be covering the team, you know, day in, day out, who know everything, who know all the nuances and in- intricacies of this team. Um, and, you know, the program is the program is right to close to try and close themselves off from reporters like this who are disingenuous, who clearly have an agenda Um and who who don't care enough about truth to to kind of to kind of uh, substantiate their agenda and continue to continue to peddle it to their readers, but 
even though we've discussed it, that's a discussion for another day. Um, I want to I want to get back into what Georgetown has done um, in the Big East tournament these last four games. Um, they've had two times where the defense has been swarming, and they've um, they've absolutely destroyed Marquette and Creighton. They survived a close one against Villanova, um, even though with senior guard Colin Gillespie out, uh, they had to rely on a perfect, I think, 23 of 23 from the free throw line. And then in the semifinal game against Seton Hall, they had to weather a run. And in the end, um, they made clutch plays down the stretch. Chudier Belay had a huge three-point play and a block at the other end as well on Shavar Reynolds. Um, they ended the game with a nine to one run after the score was tied at 57. Uh, they showed that they can, they showed that they could win in many different situations. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think my biggest takeaway is that this team has tremendous mental toughness. Um, I, I think that's one area where they've grown tremendously over the course of the year, being able to be, be in close games, stay in close games and, and make winning plays down the stretch against good teams. You know, early in the year at McDonough, Georgetown lit up Villanova for half, but was not able to maintain the intensity level and kind of uh, execution needed to stay in the game against the top opponent at full strength. And over the course of the Beast tournament, you saw the complete opposite, where Georgetown showed the flashes of brilliance that they have all year long, but they're able to sustain it and make winning plays like being perfect from the free throw line and uh, timely rebounding to be able to, to move forward and some luck along the way. Always have to have some luck when it's tournament time. Right. Most definitely. Um, yeah. I, I think that they, they really did make a lot of winning plays, especially down the stretch there against Seton Hall. They showed a lot of growth. Um, and I wanted to say that for Jamarco Pickett, and Javon Blair, like this run will be their legacy. And no matter what they might've done in their previous three years, this is how Georgetown fans will remember them. Over the course of half a week, they have built a Georgetown legacy as rich as any, as rich as any you could find. No, they might not be like hall of famers. No, they might not take their team to a national championship in, you know, in, in the next coming weeks, but to bring Georgetown back into the national spotlight, um, to have everyone talking about Georgetown again after some of the darkest years uh, in the program's history, that means a lot. They don't do things the easy way. They stayed all four years. They took a chance on the guy that took a chance on him, on them, and that's the reason why they're Big East champions. Absolutely. Uh and, and talk about buy-in. I mean, when, when you're building a program back up, like the way that Patrick Ewing is, buy-in is everything. You, you, can, you can be a fantastic coach, but if you can't motivate and get your team to respond to what you want them to do and to believe that they can do it, um, you're going to struggle. And uh, there were definitely times where I, as a fan and as a reporter, struggled to have that buy-in for the team and you know Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair have continued and kept that buy-in all the way through and they and they deserve the utmost respect for that 
Yeah, and I also want to say that before the COVID pause, they were three and eight. It is really hard to buy in at three and eight, especially if you're new, which would would be true for nine members of this team. It's really hard to buy in and to continue to grind and put your head down, and work hard, and trust in Patrick Ewing when you when you're losing, and then to see to start to see the turnaround, to start to see the vision, especially after a road win at Creighton, which has been very rare for the Hoyas, then that then your confidence swells. Then you then you have to believe in what your coach is saying because his 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 credentials were always impeccable. We always we always knew that. But to see the things work out on the floor in real time, like that's huge. And I think nobody's bought, nobody's had like a higher level of buy-in increase than Chudier Belay. I think he's done a really good job accepting his role, not hunting for his shots, cleaning glass and hustling and using his athleticism to his advantage. Um, and, you know, it, it's almost funny to think about this. The team goes as Chudy goes, wouldn't you say? I agree. I don't think we win that Seton Hall game without him. And, uh, you know, speaking of, speaking of trust, I mean, this team is now, is now playing with some swagger because of that. And it's so much fun to watch, you know, you can't win a tournament like the NCAA tournament without having a little bit of swagger, without having that confidence. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like if we know who you are or how you've played the whole season, you know, just the fact that you're there, you're nothing and nothing, and you got a shot to win it. And if you believe you can do it, you can make a run. And we've seen some gr- some great teams that you know came out of nowhere to make a great a great run in the tournament. And Georgetown has has a brand, and that's why the national media is is kind of putting us back in the spotlight. But it, this time, instead of us being the team with the target on our back, we're the team hunting for wins and. Uh, this team is as hungry as ever with all the momentum. And you got to like that heading into the first round matchup. Right. I, I almost wonder if it's the same sort of feeling that the 1979 to 1980 Hoyas had had that team advanced to the elite eight where they lost, um, I believe to Iowa and that, and that was a great team already before Patrick Ewing got there. And that, that, marvelous 81 class got there and turned them from great into champions. I almost wonder if they have the same type of feeling from that year uh, where they had also won a lot of close games in that season. They were called the heart attack Hoyas. And um, it's interesting because, (laughs) because uh, coach Ewing, he was a little bit wary about that um, in his most recent availability about how about kind of the good feeling he definitely embraced that for now but he also understands that um he also understands that the media builds you up just to chop you down um when you've been successful a little too long i guess so it's definitely an interesting dynamic to see georgetown being celebrated when in the past it was vilified well i mean the the media is especially harsh both ways um as you mentioned, and I think someone like Patrick Ewing has such a deep understanding of that because his teams were, were the villains when they were good in the eighties. People were out to get them. And, 
you know, I, I think he likes being the underdog for once. Yeah. And I also think that um, he, he totally dispelled, crushed any notions that big man can't, big men can't coach, you know, Pat, coach Ewing paid his dues. He, he was an assistant for 15 years in the NBA doors did not open for him there for a head position while you can see Steve Nash getting a head coaching position for one of the best teams after one year as an assistant coach Ewing didn't even get an opportunity after 15 years. Um, and so there's, there's most certainly a big man bias um, in the league. And he's talked about that and he's talked about disproving that. And he's talked about how proud his former mentor and coach father figure coach Thompson would be saying, boy, you shut those people up. He definitely did. And, uh, you know, Coach Ewing and Georgetown look to sustain the success that they've had over the next coming days. You know, it's great to get back here. That's, that's a step in the right direction for, for Georgetown. And while, you know, for many of us, it was an unexpected step to have it happen this soon. As, as far as building a program goes, you know, it'll be important for, for Georgetown to, to perform on the national stage. They have a great recruiting class coming in. Um, things are looking up. But, you know, to be able to take this team, which was picked to finish last in the Big East, uh, to get here is an incredible accomplishment. And then anything else would be, would be a cherry on top. But uh, these Hoyas came here to win. Yeah, they've talked at length about how they don't want to be satisfied. And they've really played up the us against the world mentality that Coach Thompson initially fostered in the 80s. Um, all those things beat the cheat. Those are all great for the program to be embracing and bringing back into in, and adopting into this new um, into this new era of Georgetown basketball. As far as predictions for the game, I don't. I think Colorado likes to slow it down. We like to run. There is kind of scientific evidence that shows that momentum within a conference tournament does have carryover effects and causes teams to be underseeded or overseeded. Um, and I think, I think we will see that play out. I think the Hoyas can and will win this game. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready to make a prediction about the outcome, but I will make a prediction about the, about the style of play in the game. Um, I, I think, I think Georgetown will be able to capitalize if they are able to limit Colorado in the half court defense and then rebound the ball and get out in transition. When we're able to run, when we're able to feed, feed the, the post to get the ball to cue, this team has a lethal offense that is really underrated. You know, when our offensive efficiency and our offensive rankings aren't, you know, aren't super high, but when we're having success, we're going to be hard to stop. So you just got to hope that, you know, Saturday afternoon, that that offense shows up and not the one that likes to force shots. Most definitely. And I think, I think that's a great stopping point for us today. Um, Josh, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Nathan, as always. All righty. Take care, everyone. And we will be back next time on Full Court Press.